0: If you don't have players on the field with the right skills, you're gonna have a tough time winning. The same goes for your business. Indeed is a fast, simple way to make sure you're hiring MVPs. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash bluewire.
1: Pistons versus everybody, the Detroit Pistons podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. It is just me tonight, but that's okay because we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Well, okay, that's not fair. We have two things to talk about, but they're two pretty important things. So we're just going to dive right into them. The first thing is we got some Killian Hayes news. We got some good Killian Hayes news. Killian is progressing nicely from his hip injury. He uh, this is the eighth week of that injury. He was uh, the reevaluation period for him is over. And we got the good news that he will be back on the court in two to three weeks. Like that's that's great. Uh, There was always a chance that, you know, that he wouldn't return for uh, the rest of his rookie season, which would have made for ultimately like a very, very disappointing rookie season. Now, if we stick to that two to two to three week framework That gives him roughly another 20 games of in-season experience to to draw on for next year. You know, that would still kind of raise his NBA experience to a grand total of less than 30 games. But that's better than nothing. That's better than the, the, you know, seven games he's already played so far this year. Um, And so... Like, that's great to hear. Obviously, he'll be back on the court. The team looks much, much different than he did when he was on the court last for the Pistons. He talked about that a little bit in his press availability yesterday. Um, And so now we now with the good news, now we set expectations, right? We level set. What should we expect? I personally will just be looking at how he looks physically. Is he is he laboring? right? Is he still able to play at the pace that he wants to, uh, he plays at his own pace. And I wonder if he can start playing at, is he still able to pay, play at the pace of his brain or is he forced to play at the pace that his body will let him, right? Can he still do everything that he wants to do on the court? You know, Obviously, there were critiques about his level of athleticism even prior to the injury. You worry about what that could mean uh, for him after the injury, but he was never the most explosive dude in the world. And so, hopefully, a hip injury you know doesn't necessarily. Uh, and he'd already kind of figured out how to negate or like work around that athletic limitation. And so, you just hope a hip injury like he's able to still like get along without it. Um, The other thing for expectations is, you know, what's his role going to be? Is he going to return immediately to starting lineup? I don't think so. Dwayne Casey talked about uh, how he maybe threw Killian a little bit too deep into the fire (laughs) to start his rookie year with, you know, with a minimal training camp, no summer league coming off a pandemic. And I think that that's a good point. Uh, there was a definitely the thought like they, the team seemed really encouraged that you know Killian could handle the rigors of being in the NBA right away, that proved to not be the case and that's fine. Uh, and you know even before the injury he was very obviously struggling, and so will a you know lighter role for him to start cause him to have more success that he can build upon for the rest of uh, his career. Right. Because like these, that's what these last 20 games are about is just, you know, having, finding a way to be successful, be productive and building on that for, for next season. Um, But he's going to have to do his own. He's going to have to do some things to, to make that happen, right? He's going to have to be more aggressive than he was in his first seven great games. He's going to have to be more accurate shooting from the floor than he was in his first seven games. Um, I don't, He's going to have to be more just, like, aggressive in general. He's going to have to dictate some action. There were plenty of times uh, early in the year where he was deferring a lot to, you know, deferring to Mason, deferring to Blake Griffin, you know, deferring to DeLon Wright. Uh, he's going to have to find a way to, you know, instigate things for himself. Like, that's that's what he's going to do. Uh, that's what he has to do to be successful at the NBA level. And so, you know, with, you know without Blake, I honestly wonder, you know, how how much Blake's absence will impact his ability to just dictate his own offense. Right. There were a lot of situations in which, you know, the, the plan was to get the ball to Blake and get the out and get out of the way. And so, you know, without, without having to do that, I wonder like, will Killian look any better? Um, I wonder, you know, without Blake, will he be able to get up and down the floor more in transition? You know, this team is super duper young right now. And, with a lot of young guys comes the opportunity to get up and down and play in transition that's something that killian was really good at in the german bbl it's something we got the occasional flash of in the nba uh you know i remember the atlanta game they got up and down in transition but again like that was without blake um you know his obviously his first basket in the preseason was a transition uh possession off of blake pass and so like yeah it 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 makes a lot of sense for the team to play much, much differently under him. Um, and for that difference to result in him having more success than he did uh, in his initial stint uh, with the Pistons. Um, and he's, he's got to shoot better as well. I wonder if um, they were able to correct some of the, the shooting things that they saw. I wonder if, if they, if they didn't, if they felt you know, corrections weren't necessary because, you know, it was just jitters or um, if they fixed some of the footwork things, you know, but you know, he's just going to be better and more productive and more aggressive in his return to the court. Um, hopefully a smaller role to start. I am imagining him, you know, playing off the bench in his first five or so games, uh, in like an immediate, like his first game, he'll only play like 20 minutes. He was only playing like 20 minutes before, but it was, you know, it was starting and it was a weird situation, Derek Rose was closing games, but um, even a cap of, like, 20 minutes on him to start, and then that they kind of extend that out as his conditioning gets better and uh, until, you know, hopefully towards, you know, you get to the last 10 games or so of the year he's playing, you know, 30, 35 minutes a night. So that, but, like, ultimately, though, like, this is good news, right? Like, Killian, we are going to see more Killian this season. Hopefully he's going to play better than he did in his first couple of games, And like, that's going to be better for everybody. The fan base can, can learn to love uh, Killian again, or maybe they just never will. And uh, I'll just be like one of the few people who's like appreciating him, but uh, that's neither here nor there, I guess. Okay. So now we get to what is going to be the bulk of this podcast, which is a bunch of fake trades. The deadline is on the 25th of March. Today is March 17th. We are only eight days away from the trade deadline. Obviously, the Pistons uh, kicked off. It's, it's weird to say that they kicked off the trade deadline because like, a bunch of teams have already made trades and stuff. And the, the, the Pistons themselves have already made a trade in the Derrick Rose for Dennis Smith Jr. trade. But uh, after the period, like after the All-Star break and before the trade deadline, like that is like the, the height of trade season. And so the you know, Pistons kicked off that period with the Hamadou Diallo for Sfima Hyluk trade. I'm not really going to talk about that trade in depth, uh, just because I talked about it at length, uh, with Jacob Niffin of the uncontested on my other podcast, the Detroit bad boys podcast. Uh, you can listen to, to that one, the, uh, inside the cylinder guys, all, uh, Matt way and David Fernandez. They also did a really good job uh, covering that trade from both angles. And so you can listen to that episode as well. Um, but like suffice to say, you know, we won't we will not really know what the results of that trade are going to look like until we see Hamadou Diallo step on the court for the Detroit Pistons. And that won't happen until his groin is healed. And we don't know how long it's going to take. And so, you know, I'm not going to spend all day talking about Hamadou Diallo. I am going to spend all day talking about your fake trades. Thank you so much to everyone who answered the Twitter call and submitted their fake trades. I really appreciate it there seems to be a, a running theme around these fake trades uh, that we will discover as we enunciate all of them so and and the, i have no set grading criteria for these trades right i'm just going to tell you whether or not i a think it's realistic b whether i like it or not and and c like whether or not i think it makes the the pistons a better team like th- those two things those last two points are not necessarily like the same thing, right? Like I I can like a trade and acknowledge that it probably makes the Pistons worse in the long or the short term, but uh, that doesn't mean I don't like it. <laughs> so we'll we'll get started with our first trade from at Ethan underscore Amato twenty three, uh, out from Detroit is Josh Jackson Seku and Davidas Servitas in. From the Minnesota Timberwolves is Ed Davis, Jared Vanderbilt, Jalen Noel, and a 2022 second round pick from the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't think this trade is realistic. Not because the Pistons are giving anything up of like extreme value, or the Timberwolves are giving up anything of extreme value. This is just like a weird challenge trade for the two worst teams in the league i just don't see the the necessity of this trade right uh like this is uh you you're trading a year of josh and a couple years of seku for uh a year of jared vanderbilt who's played pretty well this season he's he's earned you know accolades for his defensive uh, defensive ability especially and, and Jalen Noel, who has looked really good every time I've watched the Minnesota Timberwolves this year. That hasn't been very often, but he's looked pretty good every time I've seen them. And so, uh, and you know, an extra year of Ed Davis, who's just kind of dead salary at this point. And the Wolves are throwing in a, a second-round pick, a expectedly pretty poor second-round pick. You know, Phil, uh, we expect Philly to be pretty good next year. And so that second round pick will probably be like in the, you know, after 45, which is like when you really get into uh, the, like these guys are not necessarily like, it's not realistic to expect these picks to become contributing NBA players, but uh, it's still like a free second round pick. You're just throwing in there. Um, so this is, this is our first uh, trade where uh second Nubuya is traded. You guys traded Seku a bunch this year. And, uh, you know, I, I, for a reasonable amount of value, I'll give you guys credit for that. But yeah, so we'll, we we'll, that's one of the themes is that you guys, you guys traded Seku a bunch. Uh, I like this trade. I like Vanderbilt and I like Noel. Um, I like Josh Jackson and, uh, I think Seku doesn't have a lot of value right now. And so I think, uh, I think this trade would be good for the Pistons, but not great and I think that makes it unrealistic from Minnesota's perspective. Um, but thanks for the trade, Ethan. I really appreciate it. Our next batch of trades, we got a couple of trades from Kyle Metz 23. Shoutouts to Kyle. Uh, so from the Orlando Magic, uh, where the Pistons give the Orlando Magic, Mason Plumley, DeLon Wright, and Sekadumboya. And then they return. They get Aaron Gordon, Dwayne Bacon and Mobamba. Uh, you know, Aaron Gordon, we saw some trade rumors from Chris Haynes that the Pistons were interested in Aaron Gordon. I don't really see what Aaron Gordon like does on this Pistons team. That does not mean he's a bad player because he's not, he's a good player. It's just like the fit with him and Jeremy Grant kind of doing a lot of the same things. Only Aaron Gordon being worse at them somehow that Jeremy Grant was this year, which is not, uh, which is not like what anybody expected coming into the year, but, but still pretty true. Um, And so playing those guys together just seems like an odd pairing, right? Like I've been really enjoying what we've been seeing from Jeremy the last couple of games with, with no Blake. And I would like to continue seeing how he operates on a more spaced floor. And Aaron Gordon does not make that happen unless you're playing like Aaron, unless you're doing the trade to play Aaron Gordon at center, which, uh, I don't think that's what he wants to do, but I think that would be interesting, um, for, for a Pistons team. The other thing is, uh, this is not nearly enough for Aaron Gordon. I think uh, the Magic are looking for a like top tier young talent um, or like a far flung you know future first round pick for Aaron Gordon. Um, you know, I like Seku, but he is not a top tier young talent at this point, and so I don't think Orlando does this trade. The other thing I will say is that. Mo Bamba is just, like, a guy who's never really found his place in Orlando. And I know because of the, the height and the shooting ability that he's been really intriguing to a lot of fans. But I think he is in a... I think he, he's both older than Sekou and in a similar place where, at some point, we have to, like, wonder where whether or not, like, his lack of success at the NBA level is due to something like he is doing, or it's due to um, something that's being done to him. I am not, uh, I'm not, I don't think the Pistons would be like big fans of what Mobamba like would have to offer. Um, I, I think he's a guy you'd have to like tell giddy up in the parlance of Dwayne Casey. And I don't know about, I don't know how they feel about, how about that? Um, thanks for the trade Kyle. We got Nick ne- Kyle's next trade is something a little bit more re- uh, feasible, but uh I don't know if I like it as much. It's just Delon Wright and the 2023 second round pick. That's the better of Golden State's or the is it the better of Golden State's and Cleveland's or the worst? I don't remember. I did I write it I wrote it down. Wrote it down wrong. Uh but it's Delon and a second round pick for Dwayne Bacon and Mobamba. Again, uh Mobamba, not something not somebody I think the Pistons are overly interested in right now, uh even with the uh, size and shooting ability. Uh Dwayne Bacon is just like a gunner. He's just like a guy. Um it's like this trade is probably like fair, but like as the Pistons, I'm not really interested in this return just for Delon. And a second, funnily, I think this is the second they got from trading Andre so it's like, hey, you <laughs> turn Andre into a bunch of cap space and Mo Bamba like that. That would be funny. But uh, I don't think uh, the Pistons would do that. And so Kyle's last trade, last but not least, is a little bit simpler. He went in uh, order of complexity is uh, we send the Pistons send Wayne Ellington to the Denver Nuggets for P.J. Dozier. I kind of like this trade. I kind of like this trade. Uh, Dozier is a 6'6 guard for the Nuggets. He has played a rotation role for that team in some of their playoff runs. I remember just uh, being surprised that he was in uh, their rotation, you know, last year in, in the conference finals. Just because, like, you know, they towards the end of that run, they just needed dudes. Or, no, towards the beginning of that run, they just needed dudes. And he seems like a, a pretty smart player. Heady guy, a nice off-ball cutter. Um, I don't remember exactly what his shooting stats were, but he seemed like a, a guy defenses treated with a level of uh, uh, with like a little a level of credibility from behind the arc. So so that's good. I don't know if Wayne Ellington fixes what ails the Denver Nuggets right now. Right, the the offense is completely fine uh, for the Nuggets. Um, what they need is like a wing defender. They need somebody who can credibly guard a you know paul george or a lebron james or a devin booker uh in the playoffs and uh and they, they like to, they, obviously that guy for them was jeremy grant and they're, they're really missing him right now wayne would be a really effective like dho pairing with nikola Jokic, but like everybody it's a really effective dho pairing with nikola Jokic, and so like i don't know if uh, if wayne like moves the needle at all for the nuggets and so i like this trade but i don't Think it's realistic but uh but i like it i don't think it makes the pistons i don't know if i don't actually know if it makes the pistons better i don't know if pj dozier is like a guy who fits in the long-term plans uh, for detroit but you know if he definitely seems like a guy you could uh play for the last like 25 games of the year and flip for some future seconds like later he seems eminently flippable right it seems like there would be a lot of teams that would be interested in in a guy like him for a relatively like cheap price. Um, So in that sense, like you could get a lot of value. Uh, You get like some value out of PJ Docher. Uh, And so like, yeah, I I don't mind this trade. I think it's a good trade. The uh, turning, turning Wayne. I talked about this a little bit on Twitter, Uh, like turning Wayne, who they signed off the scrap heap, essentially, like literally they signed that. I believe Wayne was their last free agent signing. They signed him purely because they looked at the roster and was like, we don't have enough shooting. He came in and sh- shot 40% from three on the year, and now that you can trade him with something of value, like that's that's pretty good, right? Turning Wayne into anything useful for the, the long term is a great use of assets for the Detroit Pistons, and I hope they are able to do that uh, at the trade deadline, even if Wayne's not playing right now. I wonder if he's actually hurt, or if they're just like, sitting him until they can find some kind of trade, but we'll see. We, we gonna see. We gonna see. Thank you, Kyle, for the uh, multiple trades. I appreciate it. Next up, from friend of the program, dude who always uh, answers the call when I put out a call for, you know, uh, user-generated content on Twitter, Ryan LaProd, shout-out to Ryan. Uh, Ryan has a couple of trades for us. Uh, From the Pistons, the Pistons send Wayne Ellington and Mason Plumley to the Boston Celtics in return for Tristan Thompson and Aaron Naismith. Um... I like this trade, but I don't think this trade is realistic. The Mason Plumley would be an upgrade over Tristan Thompson for the Boston Celtics. The Celtics like could really use somebody they could trust on both ends at the big man position it seems like they just kind of run through these guys like consistently, right? Like they trust Robert Williams to, you know, offensively, but not necessarily defensively. They trust Daniel Tice defensively, but he has like severe limitations on offense. Tristan Thompson is obviously very limited offensively. Like that's been his thing, his entire career, but he's uh, been somewhat effective defensively in the past, but that effectiveness is starting to slip. And that's why he's kind of available um, for the Celtics. And then, Aaron Naismith is, you know, the guy a guy that the Celtics took, what, 13th, 15th? In in last year's draft. And he has not looked very good this season. Um, a lot of Celtics fans are mad that they didn't take Sadiq Bay. Thank you, Boston, for not taking Sadiq Bay. That's a that's a big win for the Pistons. But I don't know if the Celtics are quite ready to give up on Naismith. Uh, Naismith the The theory of Naismith anyway offers like a lot of the perimeter shooting and size from the wing position that they could really use, um, you know, next to uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Just having another dude out there who you know wouldn't be a complete liability defensively because he's six eight and able to shoot, you know, forty percent from the corners would be would be pretty big for that team, honestly. And so. Uh, I don't think the Celtics are quite ready to pull the plug on the Naismith experiment just yet. Um, but that would be a, a nice get uh, for the Pistons if they were able to make it happen. And there are other dudes on the Celtics who might be other young players on the Celtics that other uh, people on Twitter brought up that might be more uh, available than, than Naismith is uh, that I wouldn't mind, actually. But uh, But yeah, so this trade... I don't think it's realistic. I would like it for Detroit. Thompson actually is paid higher average annual value than Plumley, but for fewer years. And so you could, um, like, <laughs> oh god, you could you could you could wave and stretch Tristan Thompson if you like really wanted to. Uh, that would be, I I wouldn't do that, <laughs> but you could do that if you wanted to. If you just like really just didn't feel like having Tristan on the rops, the roster or whatever. Um, Tristan is also. Uh, kind of duplicatus with duplicitous, he does the same stuff as Isaiah Stewart, just worse. Well, uh, he used to do it better. Now he probably does it worse than Isaiah Stewart. And I kind of like the fact that the Pistons have two centers right now that do, um, somewhat different things on offense. Uh, you know, Mason is much better, like, you know, with the, with the ball in his hands as a passer, kind of directing traffic and beef stew at this point is purely a like, uh, post up seal, Energy big with and but we're we're seeing the shooting more. You know, I too saw the the dime he dropped to Saban Lee, and so like I I do want to see like Beef Beef Stew continuing to to expand the levels of his game. But right now I'm not like relying on him for that, and so I think it's like it's fair to equate him like roughly to where Tristan Thompson's at. But yeah, so I like this trade. I don't think it's realistic. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan's second trade is way more realistic and a trade I am honestly shocked. I didn't get more uh, people suggesting. Ryan's trade is Wayne Ellington going to the Philadelphia 76ers for Terrence Ferguson and the New York Knicks 2022 second round pick. I would do this trade in a heartbeat for both sides uh so Terrence Ferguson if you don't recall was a first round pick of the Oklahoma City Thunder back when you know Troy Weaver was still associated with that franchise he fits the profile of a Weaver guy he was uh an insane athlete coming out of college he actually went to uh, Australia he was one of the guys who went to Australia and came back um instead of going to college um kind of struggled in australia didn't shoot particularly well but it's like still an athlete right he had one of the ferguson had one of the sickest like pre-draft uh like hype reels on youtube i've ever seen it's like that was fun um long arms athlete can jump out of the gym uh build as kind of a decent standstill shooter a catch and shoot shooter that hasn't really come to fruition yet but i suppose there's still there's still time for that right he was drafted in the uh He's drafted in Luke Kennard's ear, right? Yeah, he's drafted in Luke Kennard's ear. and so uh, there's are like he's still pretty young. There's still a shot for him to turn things around. He can't be 25 yet. So yeah, I would like I I would be in favor of giving Terrence Ferguson uh a chance to rehabilitate his career, uh in Detroit in a similar vein as to what the Pistons are doing with Josh Jackson and Hamidou Diallo, right? It's like if we're just betting on long armed dudes who can jump, um and teaching them, you know, basketball skills and having them figure it out. Uh, like, yeah, I'd be, I'd be absolutely down for that. Um, and right now Ferguson is just kind of sitting on the Sixers cap, not really doing much of anything. Ellington would legitimately help the Sixers. Sixers are obviously down Joel Embiid right now. But uh, if you remember the, a couple of years ago, uh, the, the Embiid J.J. Redick pick and roll was like an unstoppable force of nature in the, in the playoffs. The Sixers can currently do that stuff now with Seth Curry, but having another guy that they could do that with um, I think would be beneficial for them. And so, yeah, I think the Sixers would absolutely be interested in Wayne Ellington for a young dude that is not in their plans and probably won't be in their plans anytime soon. So I really love this trade, Ryan. This is the first trade where I'm like stamp 100% like mail this in like I would do this trade.
0: If you don't have players on the field with the right skills, whether it's breakaway speed or elite playmaking ability, you're going to have a tough time winning. The same goes for your business. Indeed is a fast, simple way to make sure you're hiring MVPs. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place and Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash bluewire. Offer valid through March 31st. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments, and Virtual Interviews. Indeed.com Bluewire. Terms and Conditions supply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: Ryan had one more trade that is not stamp 100%. I would do this in uh from the Pistons. The Pistons send out Dumbuya and the New Orleans Pelicans send uh Josh Hart. Uh after the So I th- I think it was James. No, it was uh it was James Hollinger or John Hollinger, there we go. It's like a James Hollinger. Now I'm just conflating dudes. But no, John Hollinger of The Athletic suggested that the a future target for the Pistons might be Josh Hart because Hart is a DMV guy and Troy Weaver knows the DMV like the back of his hand. And so he's just like making that causal relationship. Um, I don't doubt that the Pistons would be interested in Josh Hart. Josh Hart is a pretty good basketball player. I will say though that from what I have heard and what I've talked to folks about it seems like the pelicans really really love Josh Hart and so I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Hart is like not gettable from New Orleans for like what I think like a you would reasonably expect like Josh Hart to be like worth right uh, I think he's I think he's worth more they they view him as worth more to them than anybody else and so you'd have to blow them out of the water with a Josh Hart offer and I don't think I don't think Seku does that at this point, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but yeah, like you know, I think that is a good bit of uh, like you know relationship connect the dotting done by John Hollinger. But uh, Hart is just so valued by New Orleans that I think it'd be tough to get him out of there with a piece like Seku, who is not. I don't know what Seku's value is around the league, but I suspect it's not very high. Right, I suspect teams would be interested in him, but I don't. I don't suspect they'd be giving up. They'd be willing to give up a lot to get him. And so, yeah, I don't like this trade as so much, Ryan. But the the Wayne Ellington for Terrence Ferguson one, that's really good. Like we should we should absolutely do that. Thanks for the trades, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Our next trade comes from uh, at Ashton underscore Cater. Uh, from the Charlotte Hornets. The Detroit Pistons will receive Cody Zeller and quote and a first. Uh, Ashton did not specify which first. he also did not use tradenba.com uh, like half you guys did. Uh, so I'm just gonna say their 2023 first round pick just because uh, looking at Charlotte's trajectory that 2023 first round pick should be a pick that's like not a lottery pick right? I think I think that's fair ish. They should be if, they, if everything goes to plan for them, Like they will be a playoff team by 2023. So let's just say it's a 2023 first round pick. And then they would receive uh, Mason Plumlee and Delon Wright. The, I don't know if you guys recognize the other running theme of today's podcast, but uh, we're just, we're just trading Mason Plumlee and Delon Wright, right? We're seeing what we can get and and Wayne like that. We're we're just seeing what we can get for those dudes. Um, So the interesting thing about this trade is that I think Cody Zeller might actually be better for what Charlotte needs than <laughs> and Mason Plumlee, right? Charlotte has a lot of guards and they have a lot of pretty good guards, right? They have, you know, obviously like Lamelo is the story down there, but they also have, you know, Terry Rozier who's been really good this year, not just good in the game that he played against the Pistons, but like good overall. They have Malik Monk who has been like hot and cold as as he is wont to be, but has been like more hot than cold for them this season and you know still has a lot of pedigree was a first round pick and everything they've got Devonte graham who struggled to begin the year but has started to come on and is a guy that i think would be really effective uh for a multi like for 29 teams in the nba he's just like a just a good uh, nba pack uh point guard and they also have like the martin twins they've also got uh who else do they have they have like one more guy i'm not thinking of uh but yeah, yeah, point is Charlotte's got a lot of guards. And so um, what they don't really need what Mason Plumlee does, which is like they don't need a guy who like could operate and give you some offense, can do, do like the backdoor cuts and stuff. They need Cody Zeller, who sets bone crunching screens and freeze guys and is just in uh, is subtly really good on defense due to positioning and his rebounding ability and just, like, does a lot of the little things that entice winning. That's not to say that, like, Mason doesn't do a lot of the little things that entice winning, but, like, uh, Cody does more for for their guards. And so I don't think, uh, and, you know, speaking of all the guards that Charlotte has, I don't know if they need to add DeLon Wright. I don't know if DeLon Wright adds anything for them. They don't really need a DeLon Wright on that team. And so, like, I don't think this trade is a good fit for either side um i will say like and then the first round pick is just like the cherry on the top yeah I, the, you would have to like pretty heavily protect that pick uh, in order for it to be in a trade like this and so like yeah thank you for the trade ashton but like i don't i don't think this is quite as realistic as i'd like it to be okay next trade comes from at the Robert under it's the with two E's Robert under Bob under. I like, I wonder, I see this dude a lot. I see you a lot, Robert. And like, I wonder if it's like, his name's a pun or it's like some like play on words that I'm not like, getting I mean, either way. He, uh, he had a super unrealistic trade. <laughs> he traded Wayne Ellington, Mason Plumley, and second new for Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, yeah, I don't think Dallas is going to do that trade. Robert, um Kristaps seems pretty well ensconced in Dallas. They just gave him a max extension. Um like they could could they use Plumlee and Wayne and Seku? like probably. But like this is like this is like the James Johnson package. This is not the the Kristaps Perzingis package. You're going to need to come with a better young dude than than Seku and like some firsts. To, to get Kristaps from dallas right now like i don't i don't know if i would give up like i don't know if i would like you know hitch my wagon to Kristaps in the way the, the mavericks have but like they seem pretty enamored with him so there's no reason to believe they would value him at more than are there that they wouldn't value him at more than wayne ellington mason plumlee and Sekou Dumbuya. thanks for the trade rob appreciate it uh at the steeple coach Only one e this time, or I guess like what four e's? Because there's three e's in steeple. But uh, at the steeple coach, uh, he went. He went pretty big. This is our first Jeremy Grant trade. So he traded Jeremy Grant to the Boston Celtics for Tristan Thompson's Tristan Thompson and quote two firsts. Uh, did not specify which kind of firsts. Didn't specify the protections. Um, in order to talk about this trade, I pushed those firsts out to 2024 and 2026 um, just because anything sooner and those firsts are going to be really bad um, because, you know, with uh, because the Boston Celtics are going to get Jeremy Grant for not a whole lot in return. And so what what you're hoping for, if you're what you're banking on with this trade is that Grant, like, you know, does not enjoy Boston, does not resign their asked asks out. And, uh, that, you know, similar things happen. Something happens with like Tatum and Brown. They hate each other or something. And that team is like that team is not, you're hoping that in 2024 or 2026, they don't have both of, they don't have at the absolute least. They don't have all three of Brown Tatum and, and Grant. And you're really hoping that they don't have both of Tatum and Brown. And so, Yeah, this is not a good trade. Um, I would not... I know the Celtics were interested in Jeremy Grant, allegedly. I know, allegedly, they were prepared to offer three first-round picks or whatever. But uh, it does not make sense to trade Jeremy Grant for future... It does not make sense to trade Jeremy Grant for firsts that you don't know if they're going to be good picks or not. Right? Like, the the framework that some fans had out there where they're like, okay, we could trade Jeremy grant to the warriors for the Minnesota pick this year and some stuff as like, I think it was like Wiggins or something. It's like that. I I disagree with that framework as well, but you know, you know that Minnesota pick is going to be pretty good because the because the wolves are one of the worst teams in the league, right? To, to trade Jeremy grant for a couple of first round picks when it's entirely possible that, you know, in 2024, the Celtics are, you know, still chugging away. Um, they're still winning 50 games a year. They're still being led by Jason uh, Tatum and Jalen Brown. like it, 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 You're trading Jeremy Grant for two picks in the 20s. Like that, that doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, just from like a value proposition, from a like what it, from a like why, why you brought Jeremy Grant into Detroit proposition. So like, yeah, this is this is not. A, a very good trade. Um, and I, I understand the, the desire to trade Jeremy Grant. I'm kind of proud that we, that I think that's our only Jeremy Grant trade uh, of this, of this podcast. Um, I understand the desire to just look at these guys purely from an asset valuation perspective. You know, Troy Weaver said himself, like nobody on this team is untouchable. Um, but I really think it sends the wrong Message It sends the opposite of the message that Troy Weaver has been sending the entire time he's been in Detroit to trade Jeremy Grant for Tristan Thompson and two first round picks that you don't know if they're going to be any good or not. Just point blank. So that's what it is. Thank you for the trade uh, at the steeple coach. Our next trade comes from at our Baltus. Uh, I think it was Robert Baltus or Roger Baltus. I apologize. I I just grabbed the at. I just grabbed your handle, not your name. My bad. Uh, he had something a little bit smaller. He traded Sekou and Wayne for Josh Hart and Winyan Gabriel. Uh, this is another Josh Hart trade. Again, I think you would need to come up off a little bit more than just Sekou, essentially, to, to get Josh Hart out of New Orleans. Wayne, I don't think, moves the needle for New Orleans in that way. They already have J.J. Redick who they are currently is currently like in a similar situation to Wayne where they're benching him because they plan on trading him in the not too distant future. The, the Pelicans are like, maybe they're trying to make the playoffs. Maybe they're trying to, to not tank, but they seem to keep losing and uh, just they're a tire fire on defense. And so you know, I don't know what uh I don't know what like acquiring Wayne for the quote unquote stretch run like gets New Orleans. Um and again, like New Orleans really highly values Josh Hart, and so I don't think they would come up off of him f- just just for Saquon. So, thanks for the trade, Robert or, or Roger or Mr. R Baltus. Um but I I don't think this is very realistic. Next trade is from <laughs> the guy who's at makes me laugh uh, every time Turberg alert, Tur, Turberg alert. Uh, <laughs> he had a, he had a trade that I think was a lot more interesting prior to the Hamidi diallo trade. I think that this was a trade that a lot of people, this is a name. A lot of people brought up prior to the Hamidi diallo trade, but I think, uh, this guy makes a lot less sense, uh, in light of the diallo trade, but I should just talk about what he said. Uh, Turburg alert traded Seku and Wayne to the Lakers for Talon Horton Tucker. Uh, Yeah. Talon Horton Tucker has been like a real surprise uh, for the Lakers this year. If I remember correctly, he was like a draft Twitter uh, love the year he was drafted, which was a couple of years ago. I think he was in the same class as Seku, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But... He He's played really well and been given an outsized role this year. Uh, he's been given a role beyond like what I think we expected for him to get this year for the Lakers um, because he, he was a second round pick. Or, okay. I guess he, I guess he was drafted the year before Saquon then because he's going to be a restricted free agent this uh, off season. And so, you know, with, a guy with that physical dimensions—I think he's like six-five or six-six with a seven-foot wingspan or a near-seven-foot wingspan. Like that is a guy that people, I think, correctly identified as a guy who would be intriguing to Troy Weaver, a Weaver target. Um, and so, like, yeah, I think this trade—I think the Pistons would definitely be interested in a trade like this prior to the Diallo trade, right? Like Diallo is a, in the similar vein. As Horton Tucker, I believe Horton Tucker is a better shooter, but obviously Diallo is a better athlete, um, better defensively. Uh, well, well, whereas Tucker is better offensively, just as a ball mover and a cutter and a shooter. Um, and so, and I think it's I think you could play Horton Tucker and Diallo together, just like I think the Pistons will end up inevitably playing like Diallo and Josh Jackson together. But um, yeah, I don't know if it makes sense for the Pistons to expend resources to acquire a guy that, like, duplicates a lot of somebody that they already have on the roster. Um, and so, like, this trade, Turberg Alert, was a really good idea, like, a week and a half ago. <laughs> uh, and I I wonder if the Lakers would have done it, right? I think the, I think Wayne would be a nice, uh, like, that'd be a nice piece for the Lakers. He's a former Laker. Wayne's been everywhere. Um, I think LeBron would, you know, make Wayne obviously like really really good in the way that lebron makes everybody really really good and um i think having having seku on the bench as just kind of a a guy who uh in a pure development situation for the lakers they would never ever have to play him and he could just like sit and learn and learn from lebron on the bench uh i think that would be really i think that'd be a like a really beneficial situation for for seku individually um, and like, you know, he emerges from the LeBron cocoon in you know, uh, 18 months and is all of a sudden just like an excellent role player and uh, helping the team win games. Like I, I could totally see that that situation for him. Um, but he, you know, he wouldn't be expected to provide much uh, immediate in the in the immediate. And but, but like that, the possibility of like LeBron elevating both Wayne and Sekou's games, I think is like, would be appealing to the Lakers and uh, appealing enough for them to come up off tailing Horton Tucker. And so I don't think this trade is like super duper far fetched. I kind of like it. Um, but you know, the, the, for the Pistons, you know, the Diala trade makes it a little bit less feasible than it was, you know, a week and a half ago. Thanks for the trade. Uh, Terberg alert. Next trade is from at Derek Brooks, except the O's and Brooks are zeros. Derek traded Mason Plumlee and Josh Jackson for Romeo Langford and Boston's 2021 first. Um, This is kind of interesting. Langford is a perpetually injured yet still intriguing young player for the Celtics, Um, and trading him would trading him in the name of immediate help in the form of Plumlee and Jackson. I think with some, like a swing Boston would do if they thought they were like in the business of like they had to win a championship this year. And it's interesting right? because Boston has lots of young dudes, right? Like they have Carson Edwards, they have Tremont Waters, they have Robert Williams, they have semi Ogele, they have the aforementioned Aaron Naismith, they have Romeo Langford. Um, but they they like just don't give these guys they have Peyton Pritchard, um, but they give like and they give like Peyton Pritchard and Robert Williams rotation minutes and nobody else gets any. Right. And the, they, they haven't found a way to really like trust and develop their young guys in a way that's been beneficial to them. And so trying to extract young guys out of that situation is something I'm interested in, right? Like I was a fan of Langford, um, before the, the, the Sekou draft Langford was for sure in the Sekou draft. I think I wrote about him, uh, for Detroit bad boys. Um, he was a guy that I was looking at, at that spot simply because I thought like Seiku would be off the board. Uh, he was a guy who could really create his own shot at the college level but you looked at his shooting form uh, and you knew that the shot would need some work if I remember correctly it went in at the college level but it like in order for him to be able to get it off against NBA defenders he was gonna have to restructure it from the ground up I don't know how that process is going because he's been hurt a lot since he's been in Boston and so I think he's I think there's a chance you could definitely like airlift L- Langford out of Boston. He's an excellent second draft candidate. I think, uh, Josh Jackson is just young enough and like just good enough that, uh, he could help the Celtics win right away. And, uh, and so like make that team better. And so like, yeah, this is like, this is a lot of immediate value for the Celtics and some long-term value for the Celtics in the form of Josh Jackson. For a guy that's not going to help them right away in Romeo Langford and a guy who like hasn't been able to help them right away so far in his career. Uh, The thing that makes this trade smidge unrealistic is the 2021 first, right? Boston has some seconds. I'm sure they would much really I'm sure they'd much rather throw uh, a future like a a second in 2022 or a second in 2023 into this trade than a first round pick. Um, Generally, you know, uh, like like Langford hasn't played very well but you wouldn't attach a first to get Langford out of town even for like immediate help in this case. And so, I think a just Plumley and Jackson for Langford and like some seconds trade is more realistic and that's kind of a that's kind of a coin flip, right? Like I don't I don't know what what I would do with that. I I like I like it a lot. Uh I think the the long-term potential with Langford uh, is there hundred percent, I guess he does kind of have a lot of that. We just talked about this with Taylor Horton Tucker as well. Like, uh, Hamadou Dialu takes up a lot of those, uh, like potential future rotation minutes. And so like, maybe that, maybe that's a reason for the Pistons to be a little concerned about taking this trade. You know, I don't, the, they haven't started Josh Jackson yet. Detroit hasn't started Josh Jackson yet. I don't know if they would ever start Josh Jackson in the future. Um, but they seem to like Diallo more than Josh Jackson. And like that, I think he would probably start right away once he's healthy. Um, he's a, he and he's more of a weaver guy. And so, yeah, I don't know. This, this is tricky. This is tricky. Let me know in the, in the comments, what you guys think. I, th- I think I would, I think I would do the version of this trade where it's a couple of, or it's like one second or like two, you know, far flung future seconds that are heavily protected or something instead of the first round pick, which I which I me which I think makes Boston say no, but you know, the Plumlee Josh Jackson for Romeo Langford and stuff framework is a really interesting one. One I think is more interesting than the, Seku Wayne for Taylen Horton Tucker framework. Thanks for the trade Derek. Uh, that was a that was a good one. That's a good one. Romeo Langford is one of those dudes. Like somebody somebody is going to second draft Romeo Langford and be very very happy they did it. All right. Our next trade comes from at NBA Mock Trades, which I did not know was a real account. That is a like I'm shocked that, like, that account isn't bigger. Seems like everybody would just be, like, adding them and be like, hey, judge my judge my fake trade. Uh, he had a three-way trade, and so, like, the framework I've been using doesn't work as well. Uh, but basically, Detroit gets Chetty Osmond and Boston's 22, 2022 second-round pick. Cleveland gets Dennis Smith Jr. and Javante Green. And Boston gets Wayne Ellington. Uh, I think this trade is pretty realistic. This Like, this sounds about value for DSJ and Wayne. Um, I think Cleveland would like to get off of Chetty Osman. (laughs) And so like, I think they, uh, and I don't know if they need Dennis Smith jr, but I think they'd, they'd be willing to take the look at, uh, him. They, they kind of have a log jam with Sexton and Garland and, uh, those guys. But, uh, I think like Smith jr. Could probably help them. Uh, Javante green, just like as an athlete, as another wing player, I think would be more interesting to Cleveland as well. In, instead of Chetty Osman. Um, Ch- I think Chetty's got to run his course in, in Cleveland, sadly. And Boston could use Wayne Ellington. Like, uh, you know, that's just a, a guy that would give them some depth for the stretch run. and It would only cost them a future second-round pick that uh, wouldn't be very good. Not That's not a great second-round pick. And uh, Javante Green, who's another young guy that um, sees sporadic rotation minutes for them. And for the Pistons, uh, Chetty is a guy. I don't know. Like he's, he's a bigger wing than they've had on this current team. It'd be, um, he'd be an interesting, like, uh, transition pairing with Josh Jackson, just as like two dudes who like, like to run, um, better shooter than better or build as, and potentially a better shooter than some of the recent acquisitions. The Pistons have made, um, I think like Chetty's a better shooter than Josh Jackson, but it's that's by degrees, right? Like I don't think Chetty's not like a knockdown like forty percent guy. He's like a solid like 34% guy. Whereas Josh has proven to kind of be like a solid like 31, 32% guy. Um but but you could play those guys together. That's my point. Uh and then like the getting another second round pick, like sure. The the Pistons could use more second round picks. I believe they have two second round picks this year, and then like none. For the next couple of years, and so, like, yeah, the, the Pistons could always just use more seconds. And so, uh, you, sh- you guys should have given me more trades where the Pistons got like some future seconds because they need them. Um, but yeah, yeah, NBA mock trades like living up to your name. This is a pretty good mock trade. Uh, I think I don't think anyone says no to this trade, there's nothing like holding up this trade from happening. I just wonder, uh, what, like, uh, you know, if Cleveland's super duper interested in Dennis Smith Jr. And if the Pistons are super duper interested in Chetty Osman. but I think from a value proposition, this trade is pretty fair, um, and it'd be good for the Pistons to get a future second out of the Dennis Smith Jr. and Wayne Ellington experiences. And so, like, yeah, I think I, would, I think I would do this trade. This is not like a like stamped uh, yes, like I would absolutely do this trade, like we had earlier from from Ryan. But like, yeah, I, I, I think the Pistons do this trade. Yeah. Thanks for the trade at NBA mock trades. Really appreciate it. All right. Our next mock trade is from at Brody Games. No underscore, no space, just at Brody Games. He traded Mason Plumley, DeLon Wright, and Sekou Dumbuya for Cody Zeller, Miles Bridges, and a 2023 Boston second round pick from the Hornets and the Hornets 2021 first round pick. He specifically mentioned wanting to bring Miles Bridges back to Detroit, which makes me think that Brody Games is a Spartan. And so uh Spartan Spartan Brody, you can't put Miles Bridges and a first round pick <laughs> in, in this trade for Charlotte. They're not they're not gonna do that. Um but so if we if we tweak this a little, right, we just make this like Mason Delon and Seku for Cody Zeller, Miles Bridges and this and the second, the Boston, the future Boston second. I still think I still think Charlotte says no. Um again, we talked a little bit about this earlier about how Zeller is just a better fit for the Charlotte guards than Mason Plumley. We also talked about how um they ha Charlotte has a lot of guards, and so they don't really need what Delon Wright offers. Um I think Charlotte would be interested in in Seku. I think that um another like wing guy who would play nicely with uh, with their guards, uh, in with the guards in Charlotte would be interesting to them. I don't think it would come at the cost of Miles Bridges, though, who is already a wing dude who has great chemistry with Lamella Ball and has played well with their guards uh, in the past. And so I I, I don't know if um, don't know is like worth the swing for for Miles Bridges. Um, yeah, I would love to have if we could have a Miles Bridges like Josh Jackson like wing duo on the Pistons. That'd be so much fun, man. Like, can you imagine? Ugh. There There's like off season video of them uh, doing like runs in Detroit and they're just like going up against each other. And it's just like fun. Like those, those dudes have known each other for a long time. they have like played together. They've played against each other for a long time. They should have gone to college together, but they didn't cause Josh, but uh, like that, I think that that pairing would be a lot of fun in Detroit I just don't think this is the trade that makes that happen. But you know, I am also sympathetic to the cause, Brody. I also want Miles Bridges in Detroit. I just think Charlotte says no to this. But I like this trade because it brings Miles Bridges to Detroit. (laughs) Thanks for the trade, Brody. Really appreciate it. All right. Last but not least, we have two trades from at Pistons Fanalist. Thank you, at Pistons Fanalist. That is a great handle. Uh, I consider myself a Pistons fanalist, but like I, I put my name in my handle because I'm a, a little bit more vain, I guess, than you. Uh, so for the first trade is a little bit of a variation of like what we've been talking about for a bulk of this podcast, right? It's Mason Plumlee to the Celtics for Tristan Thompson and Romeo Langford. Um, I think you would have to throw in something a little bit more to make this trade happen. Maybe, maybe that's DeLon. Uh, maybe that's some future stuff. Um, the Celtics need a lot, actually, which is weird. The Celtics need like valuable big man play, which is what they're getting from Mason. They also need like a like a smidge more shot creation from uh. They, they need like a smidge more like knockdown shooting. Actually, they have they have like you know they have Kemba Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Like they have enough dudes who can make their own shots. They just need guys who both like can make shots and defend around that um so like yeah they the Celtics kind of use fee which is like weird to think about uh but yeah yeah uh and like we've talked about Tristan as just a guy who does a lot of what beef stew does but uh is declining and I've talked a bunch about Langford as a guy I'd be interested in but um and is and it is an interesting piece but I think is more highly valued in Boston than just Mason Plumlee so uh, so that's one trade the other trade I believe he's just like just flip Langford and Grant Williams like I don't care which one and so it's Mason Plumley and Tristan Thompsons for and Tristan Thompson for Grant Williams uh Williams is one of those dudes who like actually gets minutes for the Celtics he's like actually in the rotation and it's weird he's just uh, he's an undersized big man I believe he's only six six but he's really really strong and a really heady defender and so you understand like why he plays. Over some of their other young guys, just because he's so intelligent um, as, as a defender. But um, I don't know if Grant Williams like moves the needle in Detroit. Williams is like built for a situation where he can come in and be a complimentary piece to a team that's set up to win. He is not necessarily like set up to be a part of like the twenty win Pistons and make the twenty win Pistons a twenty. 20- Two win team, right? So I think, I think Romeo Langford is much more interesting for Detroit than Grant Williams. Um, I think the Celtics would also kind of value the, I think the Celtics would also value Grant Williams over Romeo Langford, just because he both is still young and provides them with immediate on court impact and, you know, has upside as a guy who's like a little bit more than a glue guy, but still kind of just, just quote unquote, a pretty good glue guy. And so like yeah, I don't think the I don't think this trade is uh I don't I don't I think ooh sorry. It's it's almost been an hour, I'm starting to lose it a little bit. I think the Celtics would want more in trade for uh Tristan Thompson and Romeo Langford or Tristan Thompson and Grant Williams than just Mason Plumley. And I don't really think the Pistons have uh I don't think the Pistons should be in the business of attaching future assets to get even a guy like Romeo Langford that I like. Um, and they don't really have what the Celtics are looking for. Um, that's not Mason Plumlee from like a wing depth and uh, shooting ability perspective. Um, and so like, I don't know if there's like a, I don't know if these, I don't know if these trades are it. Um, what was the, the earlier trade that I liked a lot better with, uh, Oh yeah. The earlier trade I liked a lot, a lot better with, with, uh, Romeo Langford was in Josh Jackson and like Jackson is not the, the shooter that, that Boston needs, but he would offer like the size defensively that I think they could use. And uh, just like the, a little bit more shot making ability when, you know, Brown and Tatum aren't on the floor. Um, Josh Jackson be like a really interesting player, like next to Grant Williams, Grant Williams, like getting the ball to Jackson in advantage situations, I think would be really good for Boston. Um, and that's why I think this, that trade is a little bit more equitable and fair Than the one that you have uh, presented here, uh, Pistons fanalist. So thank you for the trades, and that is our last one. I tweeted earlier this week we were gonna do an hour of fake trades because I I even forget. I think it was actually I think it was James Edwards III's uh, like first fake trade piece at the Athletic that people were just like commenting on like crazy and it's like yeah man let's just do fake trades. Everybody loves fake trades. I love fake trades it is the trade deadline and so we're at like again the peak of fake trade season and so like yeah it's just fun we just we we're just hanging out um and so like just quick uh recap of like what we saw so you know obviously most people spent uh their time trying to trade Delon Wright, Mason Plumley, Wayne Ellington and Sekou Dumbuya. I think that's fair. I think those are obviously like, you know, obviously Delon, Wayne and Mason are the vets on the team and the team is getting younger. Um I think it's totally fair that it's totally possible that any of those three dudes might be traded. Uh, Seku Seku hasn't played well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Seku was traded. He is the lone remaining holdout of the pre-Troy Weaver era, and so it w- it wouldn't it wouldn't like shock me if if Seku was traded. But I think that I think that Seku ticks enough of the Troy Weaver boxes that he's worth keeping around. He's also, like barely twenty, and so it is really tough to to you know. Even though he hasn't played well to this point in his career, he's not worth trading. He's still very valuable to Detroit, and the potential upside of what he's uh, like you you in trade you would you pay for both of the upside of what he could be and the uh, and what he's at and his current level of play and his current level of play is so low, but the upside is still so high it's hard to get equitable value in trade for Sekou. And so I I hope the Pistons don't trade Sekou. I also hope he plays better. He plays himself out of these trade discussions. He looked looked active and sort of confident in the game against the Spurs. I'm recording prior to the game against the Raptors tonight. I don't know how he looked against the Raptors because that game hasn't happened yet. So, yeah. Um, So, yeah, you guys tried. uh, Those are the four dudes who were in trade discussions most often. I thought it was interesting that uh, a lot of the returns were still guards. Um, I think, you know, with the Diallo trade, people still want looks at, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker. They still want looks at Romeo Langford. They still want looks at Dwayne Bacon, right? I think um, people are still kind of searching for this, like, shot creation, and they're, they're searching for the dude not named Jeremy Grant who just pours in like 25 a night and I don't know if the Pistons are looking for that guy. I don't think I don't think that's Troy Weaver's like theory of the case. Right? I think Troy Weaver's theory of the case is like let's bring in some athletes, let's teach them some skills and but like let's also like win defensively and win physically and that doesn't necessarily equate to Like, let's give the ball to uh, our guy who pours in buckets but doesn't defend towards the end of games, right? Like, right now, Jeremy Grant is the guy who's getting the ball in late-game situations for the Pistons, and he delineates himself by, like, actually playing defense. Uh, He hasn't played, like, amazingly as a defender this season, but, like, he he tries and competes on that end, right? When you think of, like, a... uh, you know, Zach Levine is the classic guy I think of. Uh, Zach Levine has been better on defense this season, but if you think about a Zach Levine type, a guy who scores twenty five, gives you five to six assists, you know, is a three level scorer, but doesn't really offer much else, I don't think that that type of player holds a lot of appeal to to Troy Weaver. That's not, the, that's not the type of players that they drafted in, in Oklahoma City. That's not the type of players that they drafted uh, in Utah. And so I don't think those are quote unquote Troy Weaver guys. And so that, that's something, I, that's a theory I have. I will be looking to see if that theory proves out to be correct. Uh, but but we, we will see. There's one more thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, oh yeah, a lot of these fake trades. You you got to remember, right? Like Charlotte doesn't need guards. Boston needs bigs and wings, and that's like that's why you trade them, like Mason Plumlee. Other teams have to be interested in what you have to offer, or you got to put some more money in, right? Like you gotta you gotta put some put some stuff in to make teams enticed. Uh, this is a trap that a lot of fans fall into. Uh, I fall into it myself. I try and get my fake trades vetted by, you know, other people before I just like put them out there just because like I'm super bad at the fake trades. But yeah, like uh, I with that said, I think a lot of these fake trades were like pretty good. Last but not least, there were some Marvin Bagley trades in the in the tweet response. Uh, Marvin Bagley obviously like broke his hand a couple days ago. And so, like, you know, you you do, Pistons don't want to trade for Marvin Bagley and the Kings probably don't want to trade Marvin Bagley at, like, literally, like, another, like, low point in uh, his value. And so, like, yeah, I just threw those out. That's basically it. All right. I said it was going to be an hour of fake trades. We got an hour of fake trades for you guys. Thank you so much, everyone who is still listening to the sound of my voice. You can find me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. You can listen to the other podcast I host, the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, uh, wherever you found this podcast. It's on all the same platforms. You can read my writing, of which there is much uh, littler, much fewer writing than there used to be, uh, at DetroitBadBoys.com, and you should do that. Um, This has been the Pistons versus Everybody podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week. See ya.